did you just the whip? I did. I did. It's amazing. Okay. It's, a, it's wonderful. <laughs> no, I, I, I thwip all the time. I do them. I do them on my live streams. I start with a thwip. I literally do. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Webline, a podcast about Spider-Man and his amazing world. Here, we discuss all aspects of our favorite web slinger in a fun, informal, but informative forum. I am your humble host, the Spidey Librarian, and with me is my friend and fellow podcaster, Michael Hale of the KMP Podcast. Michael, how are you doing? Oh God, I'm, I'm just I'm just so very excited to be part of this. Uh, uh, so also, uh, let me say that I'm only one of two. I'm I'm half of the KMP podcast. So uh, my partner Connor Hudson deserves as much credit for this name that we made as I do. And though I'm sad he's not here, I just wanted to make sure that he gets full credit as uh, as being part of the co-founder of the thing. And I'm glad that you invited me to be part of this uh, spider shenanigans. I I love it. I'm, I'm very excited. Well, I, I appreciate you being here, and I've met uh, I've met Connor briefly. He seems like a like a good guy. Maybe we can get him onto an episode in the near future. But uh, in this inaugural episode, as moviegoers gear up for Spider Man Across the Spider Verse in theaters this week, we're going to talk about the timeline to its predecessor, the hit 2018 movie Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Its origin is a little different from most comic book movies, as the genesis for its inspiration is owed not to a comic book, but actually another form of Spider-Man media. But before we do a daring dive into our timely topic, it's time to dish about the latest spiderific developments with our knockout news segment, the Bugle Newsflash. For our first news item, uh, if you haven't been living under a rock for the last two weeks, you have seen the blitz of media for Across the Spider-Verse. Now, we've gotten trailers over the last couple of months and, well, probably about six months or so, and they've been good, but it's been about the last week and a half to two weeks where we have just gotten all kinds of TV spots. We've gotten new movie posters, which one of them features Spider-Cat, which I love. It's a um, cat and he's I, a spider. I, I know. And he has a web shooter on his tail. I mean, you know. Uh, so we've seen that we've seen if, if you like Burger King and you like Spider-Man, let me tell you, this is a good time to go to Burger King because they've got deals on a Spider-Man Whopper, which I've tried it. It's a Whopper basically, but the bun is red with black poppy seeds. So, you know, if you really, if you really take your supporting of (laughs) Spider-Man seriously, you can, you can totally do that as well. It does um, not sound super appetizing, but it's okay. I, I mean, mean, it, someone, it, ta- it it's tastes, for someone. Yeah, it tastes like a Whopper. It's 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 good. You know, if you like Whoppers, then you're gonna you're gonna be fine with this. And uh, if you don't, then don't buy it. <laughs> you know. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, there's just been a whole blitz of media as as we as we get run up to the uh, to the movie. And uh, of course, I'm looking forward to it. I really want like one of each of those posters. There were like 10 of them. And it had like Miles and one had Gwen and one had Spider-Man 2099 and one had Spider-Man India and one had Hobie Brown, the Spider-Punk and Spider-Cat. And, you know, I just like I want one of each so that I can just like plaster them up all over my room. I don't know that that's ever going to happen, but, you know, um, the five-year-old in me can wish, right? Moving on from that. All the things you could wish for. (laughs) What, a bunch I mean, of Spider-Man posters? I mean, I, I think that's pretty cool. Tony, I think you have a spider poster addiction, my friend. I I I can see I can see into the room you're in, my friend. There is it's a lot of spider stuff. I have a lot of spider stuff. I don't have a lot of Spider-Man posters, so I don't I don't know I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have a wall of Spider-Man Funko Pops, but I don't have any Spider-Man posters. Uh, uh I have Funko comic Pops. books that I have hanging up. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can actually see one featuring Doc Ock behind me, just underneath Stan Lee. It's probably not easy to see, but uh, but yeah, I don't have any posters. I don't have any posters. No, I need posters. All right, all right, you got you got me there. <laughs> all right, so moving on, the other big piece of Spider-Man news that we have uh, from the last week or so is that a few days ago, the gameplay trailer for Marvel's Spider-Man Two finally dropped now it's been like a year and a half maybe two years since we had like the teaser trailer which suggested uh it it showed venom that venom would be in the game it also suggested based on the speaker's accent and voice and what they were saying that craven would be in the game We've got confirmation that Craven is definitely in the game now. This this was I mean, like a this was like a what a ten to twelve minute trailer, right? It's literally here is a man who you think would be Craven, who you know looks like he would be a the two thousand somethings reimagining of Craven, and then behind him is the even better, cooler Craven. And so, because at first you're like, oh, who's this? Is this Craven? What's he hunting? It's like, nah, this is the the cooler, bigger Craven. Yeah, that Why was does the bigger Craven not eat the smaller one. That was that was actually a nice kind of like fake out that they did right there. I really liked it. So but my God, that that thing was so much fun to watch. I mean, again, just the the spider fan in me was just squeeing the entire time I was watching it. And I, I actually did post um, a reaction to the trailer. So you can find that on my channel. And I'll probably make a video out of that at some point, just its own thing, and and drop it in there so you guys can just see me just, just I I I probably look again like like five year old me, like my eyes are probably really big, and I'm 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 just you know I'm, I'm jumping up and down in my seat, but so much good stuff to look forward to in that game. It looks like you switch off between Peter and Miles, like just at certain prompts in the missions. That looks really cool. There I think are... you can actually even switch between them uh, freestyle. Oh God, I hope so. Because that would be that <laughs> oh, that would, would be that would so nice. Be very fun. Um, we've got there are definitely differences in the heads up display that I think will be. I mean, it'll take some getting used to, but you know, um, I think it'll be fun. Oh look, hey, troubles in the background. Sorry, Aww. I'm distracted by my kitty. 
but she's she's laying down on the bed behind me. She's she's sweet. Anyways, but uh, yeah, like it. We're, we're definitely getting Craven and Venom. The lizard was in this, and the lizard, my God, the way he looked, I I don't think I've seen him looking that spiky before. But uh, that I think was they're, they're definitely going for a um, oh my gosh, the gauntlet, the gauntlet arc lizard, right? Kinda super big super 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 kind of gross yeah so super vicious basically yeah but yeah no that's his own children yes yes i remember reading about that and going woo well that's <clears throat> that's a direction that they went so but it looks great and one of the even bigger piece of new pieces of news came from that trailer right at the tail end because then it just said fall 2023 so that is an official confirmation from Insomniac that this game is definitely coming out this year. And I've been, you know, like one of the reasons is that I waited so patiently and finally got a PlayStation 5 is because I knew that this game was going to be a PlayStation 5 exclusive. And um, so far, all indications are that it will be. So if you want to play this game, at least for the first few years, you're going to have to get a PlayStation 5. So... And I'm uh, I'm I'm there. I'm ready. That's that's the pretty much the main reason I got a PlayStation Five was so that when this game came out, I could play it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are prepared. I, I I do what I do what I have to. So, all right. Anyways, um, with that news out of the way, we are going to now segue into our main feature, which is going to be. Uh, timeline to Spider-Verse, video games to comics to film, really. Um, I've been I've I've been kicking around the idea of doing a Spider-Man podcast for a long time, and it it it's one of those things that I was thinking about doing this year. And then, to those of you that don't know, my my cat Trouble she had some medical difficulties. I very nearly lost her um, for about a month. There, I was kind of an emotional wreck. Um, and she's fine now. Like she's, she's laying on the bed. She's happy. She's back to being a full-time cat and I'm very happy. And now that that is more or less out of the way, I can kind of get back to thinking about doing something like this, which is why I kind of kicked myself in the rear and was like, Hey, let's do this podcast. I, uh, I, 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 I contacted my, my, my buddy Michael here. And so we are working on this one. And since we're getting started so close to Across the Spider-Verse, I just felt like this was a good time to tackle this particular topic. Because I do think it's a very interesting topic that um, is worth uh, discussing. That discussing. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a groundbreaking animated film that brought together several different variants of Spider-Man from different dimensions. Its deft blending of comedy and drama, innovative animation style, and relatable coming-of-age tale fe 
uh, featuring Miles Morales, make it one of the top Spider-Man films to date. Michael, I'm curious, what did you think of Into the Spider-Verse? When did you see it? How many times did you see it? Let's dish about this really, really good movie. So, um, I'm definitely going to say probably, this is going to sound silly, I really obviously liked the movie a whole lot. Uh, I am not necessarily a binge multi-film rewatcher. I can use, unless it's exceptionally good, few movies make it into my, ooh, I have to rewatch it several times. So this was kind of more of a, I remember seeing it once and I really liked it. And actually to get ready for this, I rewatched it again and it's, <laughs> it kind of just scratches all the same happy itches that the first one did. Um, It was like, oh man, this is really good. This is, in my opinion, the best version of Miles, Um, more because I think they did a better job at integrating him in a way that was more relevant for viewers today than Mm -hmm. I think when he first appeared. That's, I don't know how hot a take that is. Um, Comics, comics are weird. I think that movies and video games make better versions of characters that can clean up some of the gunk that kind of gets stuck to comic characters when they kind of first come out. And so I really like the way that Miles was handled in the movie much better than the comics. Um, but, first, but he doesn't have all the arcs that the comic book character has had. So I would say right. I've yes. seen the movie now twice. I much prefer movie Miles to comic Miles. Um <laughs> And in some ways, even uh, movie Spider-Gwen to comic Spider-Gwen. But all in all, I just think it's still a fantastic property that does things. It is the good evolution that makes me very excited to these characters. And that's where I'm more interested to see where they go in the next one, because then Spider-Man 2099 is going to get the same treatment. I think if you ask a lot of people, ooh, what do you love about Spider-Man 2099? Uh, they're just going to be like, uh, who, uh, who's that? I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, right that, now, he, I'd, he I'd makes say no that's sense. Thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think, I think you make a good point about, um, uh, about the movie versions versus the comics versions, and 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 I and I think that is probably like your your ability to say that is, um, I think it's a testament to you know, kind of the production team that, that put this movie together and that may have put the video games together because let's face it, when you're dealing with a comic book character, I am, I mean, they get handed off to different writers and different illustrators and they, you know, they have arcs that are just ongoing all the time. And a lot of these arcs are where you pull a lot of um, inspirations for the movies and or the the video games or, or things like that. And, you know, when you're going to do something like that, you better put your best writers in and those writers better bring their A game because what you have to do is distill down kind of the essence of the character, what makes them them, um, what is the best version of them, and then really kind of let her rip when you go, um, you know, when you go to put pen to paper for, for this particular uh, project or IP or something. And so I, I think that that raises a really good point. What what I really loved about Into the Spider-Verse myself was the I really liked the 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 theme that, you know, anyone can wear the mask, anyone can be Spider-Man. It's it really is kind of a, you know, like 
anyone can can do anything they want. We all have the potential to do it. Um, and try not to try not to let you know the um, you know the 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 way things have been before or the way things are right now like restrict you you know reach for the stars and and go for it so that way um, you know you can you can you can be the hero you can be the person behind the mask I really like that and I really felt one of the most emblematic scenes of that was when Miles finally jumps from the building and 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 they show. Instead of him falling down towards the ground, they invert it so that he's falling up. Like this, this is the mild rising here, and that that is that's a very like that scene really elicits some strong emotions from me because like up to this point, he's been told he you know he's he wasn't good enough. The other spider people have been like, dude, you're gonna get yourself killed, you know, and like this is him finally kind of taking control and and going no. I can do this. And, 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 well, and that's you know. the, that's the, what is it? The, is it let's go danger? Is that the let's go danger? Uh, what's up danger? Yes. What's up danger? Yeah. It's a, it spawned a thousand memes. Like the what's up danger goes <laughs> with anything. Uh, Cause it kind of does. Um, yeah, it does. it does. No, I mean, you have to, if you're, I think this is going to tie into some stuff that's going to be in the next spider verse movie a little bit is like, there are things that are canon to what Spider-Man is as a iconic character. And obviously one of those is, I mean, the Tobey Maguire movies, as much as they have kind of faded from being on my top Spider-Man list, you know, him finally being able to like the practice jumping and being very bad at it. Right. (laughs) Actually finally doing it. I mean, you know, if you're going to have a character that swings around, eventually you're going to have to have a moment where they actually jump because that's how Spider-Man works. Yeah, no, um, true. And I mean, like, I, 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 I I like so far from what I've seen of across the Spider-Verse that it looks like Miguel, Spider-Man 2099, it looks like he might, might be the main antagonist. And the, the conflict, just from what I've been able to glean from the trailers is that like, he's telling him that he needs to let someone die in order to to save others and miles is is like but i can save one person and save everyone else too and that seems to at least set up the conflict between miles and miguel and i'm really interested to see exactly what the details are there i I really want to know what is going on why why i mean one why is miles rebelling so much against this spider ninja vampire heroic leader dude who looks like he's kind of a dick but you know seems to get the job done um what is going on and what is it that miles has to let happen that he doesn't want to let happen and so um i don't know yeah it's 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 a continuation i think of that theme from end of the spider verse though i I have a a a lore question for you because my knowledge of spider-man 2099 is limited he's not even he's more like a copy fanboy of spider-man isn't he wasn't the whole deal he he could choose a hero that he was going to emulate the powers of and he picks spider-man he doesn't actually fit the normal or have they have did peter david ever rework him to have the same spider theme tropes because i always thought he was more of an inheritor of the spider-man identity while not at all being anything like 
the other spider characters. I mean, if we go back to if we go back to Miguel's identity from the comics, um, he he was basically he, he's basically a lab accident, essentially. Um, and I don't remember all the details, but I think he was trying to run a um, he was trying to run some kind of a simulation. He was he was kind of a jerk to his his bosses at work. He he had that smart aleck thing going. But um, basically, a coworker that didn't like him put like I can't remember. Um, I I, th- I think it put like uh, a spider where it shouldn't have been, and that and then turned on the machine, and then Miguel came back looking the way he did. And I don't remember if like that was genetic material that was taken from like the original Spider-Man. I, I I'm I'm not certain, but he he. It, from what I can tell, he didn't choose any of that. He basically kind of was just like, he was made into this thing. He's from the same dimension as comic book Spider-Man. It's just, yeah. he's a hundred years into the future and things look different and, you know, and all that. But um, to my knowledge, he was just made that way. And there's like a very tenuous link to um to the to the prime spider-man but it's very like you know it it it's 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 historical more than anything else and i think it just has something to do with but um, miguel never had yeah. like an uncle ben responsibility kind of angle I like don't that's why i was thinking he did I don't that's why I think did. it's really interesting that they're working him into this because he is a very not Spider-Man character. And so I'm curious. They're either going to do two things. I think they're either going to have to rework him, his background to mm-hmm. have lost someone somehow so that he fits all the other Spider-Man. Right. He seems to be saying the, oh, this is what makes, you know, we've all had this kind of thing happen. Or they're going to basically have to acknowledge that he does not understand <laughs> the, the impet, the impetus to try to save someone. I don't know. It's interesting that they picked him and I really like that. They picked Oscar Isaac for him and that he is kind of the, I don't know if he's the antagonist. He's certainly the obstacle that, you know, whatever he's trying to get all the other Spider-Man on board with doing, including miles miles is like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is. So it's it's going to be very, that will be the emotional crux of the movie. I just still am over here like, huh, Spider-Man 2099, huh? Okay. I mean, <laughs> it's a, you it's, know, it's an interesting choice. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to do what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, um, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. What would you, what would you say your favorite scene from Into the Spider-Verse says? Like if, if you, if you had to just pick one. Um, hmm. One. Yes. And uh, and, and one of one of one of our viewers, uh, Jeanette, said Miguel did not choose spiderness. It was thrust upon him. <laughs> spiderness. Ah, good good catch. Ah, catch Spider Man. Ah. Um I would probably <laughs> actually I really like the the Alchemex lab infiltration. Mm-hmm. Um I just for some reason that's just the one that sticks out to me the most just because it's not the way that you would, I mean, that's the trope that they're playing with, right? Is like, ah, here's where he gains true mentorship. And instead it's, it's each of them not accepting the other one and trying to do stuff their own way. And then it introduces like female, uh, Doc Ock, who I still think is just very delightful. Yeah. So I just really like, and the fights where they kind of break from room to room. Like it's just, I think it's more creative and it's less visually eye constraining. Unfortunately, the reason I never chose to rewatch the movie 
voluntarily is unfortunately because the colors do a number on my eyes oh. and it's very very hard to keep track of and visualize a lot of the different elements especially when it gets into the final like color explosion that is the finale so i appreciate the craft that it takes to make that finale unfortunately is very hard visually for me to kind of look at it and i hadn't and, ever really considered that i mean yeah I, I would imagine this would be a difficult movie for people with sensitivity issues to to really um to, to watch like i mean it's not like it's not like i'm here saying it's unwatchable but i can focus and pay attention more right. to in the alchemax because the colors are much more muted and there's a lot more focus on the physicality like whenever peter's getting smashed into the walls and he's like it's fine i'm okay like and then breaking from room to room with the physical comedy of Miles trying to hang on to the computer. Like, that's played for a more interesting gag. Good news. We don't need the monitor. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. That. For some reason, I feel that was a better set piece that had more interesting parts to express about their personalities overall, like, in that entire scene than just simply, ooh, they do real good swinging. Yeah. Good, good swing. Yeah. But I will say, any moment that uses spider ham is just great like yeah just any, scene, any scene he's in it's just genuinely makes me happy and like, it really doesn't look like he's coming back to this one he like maybe he'll have a cameo but he's not going to be like a supporting character like he was before which is sad yeah but i mean um, he, look he's got other pies to float towards that's true and that's true um i i would i would say i mean there are so many really good scenes in that movie and i've already given mention to the miles rising scene but if i had to pick another one it, it, it's god it's really a tie between two which is the tail end of the alchemax infiltration when spider gwen introduces herself as as herself um that was just a really cool like she's got the guitar riffs playing as she she's swings cool in ballerina shoes yeah like like that was just that was a brilliant intro and she saves both of their butts and i was just like yeah this, this is this is a really cool intro for this character um who actually she uh she first appeared in conjunction with the spider-verse comic event actually um i'm very happy to say i actually have her first appearance comic book it's it's edge of spider-verse like number two or four or something um but uh but but yeah so it's it's fitting that she kind of makes her movie debut in this one too because you, you know comic series of the same name so um and i would also like to stress and this is maybe just my perspective as a teacher mm -hmm. um even though it's not i don't know how to phrase this it's not a scene that i would say is my f like favorite but the legwork they do to make miles being at the school that he's at is probably the most important and well done animated movie origin kind of setup mm -hmm. because i work at a school that is not like the one he's at but it has very particular pathways that some kids go there because their parents are making them go there right and some kids go there because they want to so that kind of i don't know if i fit in this school is weird. I have to do stuff that isn't normal, like a normal school. Like when he's walking by, like, and his other friends are like, Hey, I miss you. That is a lot of my students that mm -hmm. have friends at other schools that are in the neighborhood and they kind of wish they could hang out there. So I, and my students have had extremely strong attachments to both miles and Gwen. 
And so I would actually say, in a in a weird way, the front end of that movie is actually more emotionally important to kids who are not our age. And therefore, I actually think it does a much more important job than I actually think the Raimi movies did when we were younger, because I know you're a little bit older than me. So you would have been in, am I wrong? You would have been in college when the Raimi movies came out. I think I had, I you would think have maybe I had just, just started. Actually, I think I had just graduated when yeah. the Raimi movies came out. Because I want to say that it was I'm middle old. school <laughs> into high school when Spider-Man one and two kind of yeah. came out and Spider-Man one again, like I mentioned, it kind of has faded from my, my memory a little bit and, and it's importance, but it, it tried to do a pretty good job of saying like, Hey, he's a high schooler just like you. Right. Um, I don't think that one did the mile, the pardon the pun, haha, the mileage that uh, into the spider verse did because you're also dealing with a new character that everyone kind of has to get to know more about that. You can't right. just kind of, because you have to introduce Miles's dad and his uncle and that they're kind of conflicting relationship. So I would say as a second, as a second place answer, the entire first about 30 minutes, even though it wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's good as an action scene is still just as important, if not maybe even more important than the, the action -y, pew pew chop chop kind of fun you know spider spider hand has a mallet fight scene it's good so, and 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 this is in terms of just setting up relatability right for for miles to be relatable to those kids who may be watching this movie like that that yeah. creates a real link between him and, and and those those who may you know whose situation may more closely mirror his than others and it's really, I think that it's really hard to do that now because we've got so many, I mean, in a way that doesn't come across as, oh, look, it's his origin story parts. <laughs> I don't care. Like those scenes are actually more, I remember now, and it's again, rewatching it for the second time. Those scenes matter more to me now than they did the first time. And mm -hmm. they're actually better made at showing miles being awkward like he's like aha it's puberty haha it's like why are you sweating <laughs> like, <laughs> like like how to even him talking to his uncle about like hey how do i talk to girls like that's actually the only genuine emotional well, i mean it's one of them it's one of the more human connections that they have yes and that kind of like to a younger guy trying to bond with an older guy about hey how do i talk how do i, how do I be normal is much more genuine than I think any single scene that any Spider-Man in a movie has had with any uncle Ben. And I, and I love, I love Aaron Davis. Um, like, like he genuinely likes miles and, and he, you know, like, he's just like, man, I can't have no nephew going around who don't, who don't have any game. I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, you know, he, he genuinely see. wants to, he wants to, he wants the best for Miles, you know, and that's, that's any, any parent is going to, you know, relate to that, even if they don't necessarily like the Aaron Davis character, like they should at least be able to relate to that. And, uh, and, and actually that, that's one of the reasons that, uh, I'd mentioned Spider-Gwen's intro. Uh, my other scene was actually when Aaron uh, protects Miles during the fight and pays the ultimate price and, you know, gets gets shot by the Kingpin and killed because, you know, this 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 was 
this was an adult in Miles's life with whom he was very much identifying at the time. And then he found out this horrible thing. They fight, then he finds out and he makes the decision, oh God, I've got to protect my nephew and pays for it. And like, this is, this is a big loss for Miles. Like this is huge. And, um, and so like that scene, uh, is, is, you know, like you can make the obvious link, like, ah, uh, he lost his uncle now too. But like, I feel, yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways we, we, we know more about this relationship from not just Miles's perspective, but also Aaron's perspective. And so I, f I feel like it, it means a little bit more, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to downplay Peter's relationship to uncle Ben, but we just know about the hero that Peter has made him out to be. Um, we did, we know very little about uncle Ben, the man, you know, like we get a little bit more in the movies, I suppose, but like in the comics, dude's know, dead man. in the first story, you know? So there's, there's, I mean, Charlie Sheen kind of trying to, with the Garfield, uh, the Charlie Sheen's version of uncle Ben for a little bit. I mean, they tried to add a few, like you're not my dad. It's like, oh, okay, but that's where they oh, went. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they went a lot further further trying to actually make aunt may a better mother character in the modern mcu things by and i think they did that by just being like look there's no uncle ben here just don't worry just don't worry about getting attached to a character yeah. that you're just gonna see leave and yeah. they've spent much more time developing that relationship until they didn't yeah um, he doesn't he doesn't exist on stage in in that universe although he technically does exist if you if you um if you take a look when he's packing and far from home he's got a suitcase that has um ben's yeah. initials on it which i which i thought was a really nice touch you know so but, um, I think what we're I think what we're both saying is is maybe we don't need Uncle Ben's anymore. We can have Prowler uncles and Aunt May's. <laughs> it's uncles it's their, and their other alternatives. Yeah, yeah. You 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 can have you you can have other close relationships that you you know that you end up losing because you're Spider Man or Spider Woman or whatever. You know. Yeah. No. I I get it. I totally get it. Um. We're going to go ahead and move on from um, Into the Spider-Verse and talk a little bit, go, go a little further back. So one might expect, since many Marvel movies were, they pull directly from the comics as their source material, that this film was made from a comic story. And technically, you'd be correct. But there's a kind of a big footnote that deserves to be mentioned because the inspiration for the comic story Spider-Verse comes from another part of Spider-Man history. So, Michael, I want to ask you, did you know going going into this before I brought up this topic with you, did you did you know that this movie into the Spider-Verse can actually be traced directly back to a video game? Did did you know that? I mean, I think we we kind of just pre-discussed this a little bit, and I still stake my claim on that uh, you are wrong that the origins of this are the <laughs> '90s climactic cartoon series with one of the most awesome Spider-Man characters ever, who I really wanted the action figure of, which was like Iron Spider, who was totally I don't I don't know I, anyone who who out there is like, uh, but, but Tom Hiddleston is just 
Tony Stark's ward that has no place in wrong, my friend. There is a 90s version of the Spider-Man where Iron Man and Spider-Man are the same. And I think that that Spider-Man probably was a ward to a, a Tony Stark character in those cartoons. So, haha, uh, claim evidence reason game set match. Um, however, I will say that that traction didn't have as big uh, an impact on Spider-Man as a brand until... Uh, the, the games that you are talking about. So I would like to say the genesis of other Spider-Man meeting was not a new thing, but I do think that uh, we, we can both praise and blame Dan Slott for all of the shenanigans because of those games. I, th I would say that you are right. Cause there were, am I wrong that there were two games? There were two games, it, but I, and but, but I, Shattered I Dimensions remember. was the big one. Yes. Yeah, Shattered Dimensions is the big one. And, I haven't played, what is it called, uh, Edge of Time or something like that? Yeah. I, I haven't played that. I've heard it's not as good as Shattered Dimensions. Shattered Dimensions, in my opinion, was one of, you know, one of the better Spider-Man games out there at the time. But, um, but I, I, I mean, like, yes, I'm, I'm definitely not going to dispute that there were instances of Spider-Man teaming up with his alternate version selves, like, previous to two shattered dimensions. Um, and I also agree with you that like, you know, the whole Peter Parker being Tony Stark's ward or mentee or, or whatever, like, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that argument made about Tom Holland's Spider-Man and it's like, look, the, not only is it perfectly fine the way that the MCU is set up, but it's there, there is historical precedent for it you know that like and it happened well, in the yeah, comics I mean, Civil too War you know and, and all that yeah so um but but i mean like in terms of what is directly traceable dan slot working on spider-man shattered dimensions is kind of it um yep <laughs> in in uh <laughs> in in 2010 activision released spider-man shattered dimensions in this video game uh players take control of four different versions of spider-man um, as they team up to take back the fragments of a mystical tablet that split during a fight between Spider-Man and Mysterio. The story for this video game was written by Dan Slott, who at the time was writing the Amazing Spider-Man comic. And uh, have you played this game? No, I did not. Um, my Spider-Man video game experience actually... Uh, how to phrase this... I played the Genesis and SNES version of the oh, 90s cartoon Genesis. game, and that was the first one. Then I played the really amazing but kind of terrible PlayStation game where at the end, Carnage and Doc Ock fused together. I loved that game okay. so very, very much. <laughs> and then my, I've, my Spider-Man I've, I've game. I've got to say, I've only seen, like, I've watched that. I've never played that game, but I've watched that, like, chase at the end. And that is, like, oh, a terrifying, it's like, endgame It's great, thing. Tony. Like, like I, got, I got chills just watching it, like, oh, God, you know? It's, it's, it's awesome. It is a very, very, uh, for its time, 1990s PlayStation game, um, and then after that, I did not play Ace any game that had anything to do with Spider-Man at all. I, I did not touch the I, I heard lots of good things from from 
friends of ours who are mutual about the Raimi verse Spider-Man games on PC. Right. Never played them. Didn't have any interest in them. No. Uh, and then I picked up Spider-Man games back with the Insomniac game, which was just wonderful and amazing and all the good things that can be can be said about it. All those developers, I hope they live in gumdrop houses, made of gingerbread. <laughs> um, best best Doc Ock story of all time, period. I don't even like Doc Ock that much. I would say it's even better, in my opinion, than the Alfred Molina version. Um, wonderful. Just so good. But everything between, like, Spider-Man PS1 <laughs> and Spider-Man PS4... I am a complete blank blank slate on. Okay, uh, I have I have played this game and consider it one of the better Spider-Man video games out there. Uh, up up until 2018, when Marvel's Spider-Man basically blew everything else out of the water. While yes. shattered, <laughs> while shattered dimensions sometimes suffers from awkward camera angles or play control issues. The story, action, character designs, and characterizations are fun, and they make for a pleasant narrative experience. Uh, one of my favorite touches for this game is that each of the four Spider-Men are voiced by an actor that has previously voiced Spider-Man in an animated show. So, for instance... Oh, are you kidding? Amazing Spider-Man, the, the, the comic book one? No. That's Neil Patrick Harris. That's okay. Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, Spider-Man 2099 is Dan Gilvison, who I believe was the voice of Spider-Man during, like, the Amazing Friends era. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Spider-Man Noir is Christopher Daniel Barnes from the animated series of the 90s. Oh, that's so neat. And Ultimate Spider-Man is voiced by Josh Keaton from Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And like it's it's little touches, like little kind of like Easter eggs like that that I think made me love the game even more. Cause I had friends who played this game and they're like, I don't know, I don't I, I definitely got uh pushback against like the, the way that the characters handled. And and the controls are a little clunky, but like you know, I'm I'm always a big fan of stuff like that. I know that a lot of people get annoyed with things like Easter eggs and fan service in comic book movies or i don't know anime or, or anything like that i i don't know what what's your like take on those kinds of things like the, the the little touches like for the fans um i mean it depends on the genre and the kind of thing so uh for example hmm let me let me kind of think about this for a second i guess it depends on is the game is that all the game is meant to deliver is, ooh, look at that. Remember this from, I guess it's the joke. And I actually don't like Red Letter Media that much. However, I will say one of their more salient points was, uh, you know, the joke where they kind of say, ATST, ATST, I saw it and I clapped. Is their point, is the game just meant to be, hey, look, remember this? Clap, clap. If I clapped because I saw it. And I don't remember, um, that game being talked about in that way i just remember people enjoyed it and I, is this uh again see this is where i'm i'm kind of wrong is this a game <laughs> where you have to team up with venom at some point like you can swap between them no that would there be was... that would be ultimate spider-man and which which is another good <sighs> spider-man game but no but i could uh, have sworn it had to do with alternate dimension like is there a black suit spider-man i'm yes. gonna go i'm ultimate okay. spider-man has the symbiote he has symbiote powers 
Um, and that's basically what differentiates him visually and and in terms of ability from the other Spider-Man. But yeah, like um, it's it's just him with the symbiote, basically. No, that's not what I'm misremembering. I'll, I'll find out. I'll find out what it is. <laughs> I'm sure there's some goof that I'm that I'm kind of making. Um, was this was this out for the Wii? I think so. I I, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you definitive. I never played it on the Wii. Because are you th- okay? I did play on the Wii. I played another Spider-Man game, Web of Shadows. Ah, that's it. And that's he does the one. switch between the symbiote suit and his classic suit. Bingo. Okay. Bingo. That's the that's what was the what was the name of that game? Uh, Web of Shadows. That is the one that I remember not getting as good reviews. Like, it was I think okay. People were people were I think wanting. If I'm remembering this correctly, and again I'm the wrong person to ask to remember this correctly. I'm thinking that people wanted more of Shattered Dimensions at the time because Shattered Dimensions came out in 2010. Web of mm-hmm. Shadows came out in oh wait no Web of Shadows was first. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am all over the place. You have picked the wrong person for this part of the conversation, that my is, friend. That is okay. Um, we you know we're we're all human here. It's fine. And I think this was though getting the another thing was there were a bunch of Spider-Man games, and I just recall people would find one aspect about them that they would really like. And I guess when you're mentioning fan service, I'm trying to picture people just liking some aesthetic about the game. Like, Ooh, this is the one with the noir suit. But then if you would ask, yeah, them, you was could the get game skins good? and web of shadows. And I remember getting 2099 and being pretty happy about that. So, but I think that was, I think with a lot of Spider-Man games up through, I mean, up until I, the, what kept me away from a lot of the Spider-Man games was the same kind of thing that was, I think, a lot of Marvel game fatigue when they made uh, Ultimate Alliance 2. And I was like, oh, this is fine, but it's not Ultimate Alliance 1. Why didn't yes. you just make, look at that good game. Why didn't you make that good game again? And I just remember exactly. a lot of the Spider-Man games one of the criticisms I remember was, I guess there was one game every two years for quite a while and everyone would go, it's not, it's not the good one. And I could never necessarily tell which one the good one was, but people, people found their good one. And when all the games didn't match up to that good one that came, you know, one game, two game, three game, four games before, or it could even been crossing into the Spider-Man one, two and three games. uh, I feel like people just took out flagpoles and went, or this is where my flag is. I will not like any other Spider-Man game that is not this this thing. And if it didn't have that thing, well then that Spider-Man game was bad. See, I think and I remember a... I think I remember playing around that time um the the Batman Arkham games. Uh one of one of my one of my friends finally got me to play it. Um he'd been asking me to play it for years and I was just like, "Okay, all right, I'll finally play it." And it it was the first one. It was just Arkham Asylum. And I loved it because like it, it was about as close as, as you could come to like being Batman. It was like a really good RPG where, you know, you, you leveled him up, you got new abilities, you use those abilities. And it was great. And I remember thinking, I was like, you know, I really like this formula and I really like the treatment of Batman's rogues galleries and everything. And, and I just remember thinking at the time, you know who I would really like this treatment to be applied to (laughs) i would like this treatment to be applied to the web slinger to spider-man and i just remember with everyone i think those rocksteady games uh just brought 
the level of i mean ever ever since i mean tony the number of people that i've heard who are still mad that there is not a superman version of those <laughs> kinds of games i think that that kind of game really set a, a bit too high of a bar because unless you're unless you're dealing with that studio i don't know who else was going to make a game that good i mean i think also superman fans have it pretty bad because man they've got uh superman 64 and yeah generally hailed as the, the worst the worst uh, do you like flying through rings tony no nope. because that's what you're going to be doing is flying through some awful rings nope. and spider-man got a lot has gotten i think maybe more games per i mean that's also to do with spider-man as a cash money printing machine um I don't think you can really go a hundred percent wrong with the Spider-Man game. I just think am I, and I'm also looking up the, the voice cast of, uh, for example, edge of time. And I'm just like, Steve Bloom is anti-venom. Val Kilmer is the head of Alchemax. Like Laura Vandervoort is Mary Jane Watson, like Fred Taskasaur. Like I'm just like Josh Keaton is in it. Katie Sackhoff is black cat. I'm like, wow, what a good vocal cast. Damn. That's really cool. And I do not remember a single person, though, being like, oh, man, have you played Spider-Man Edge of Time? Oh, it's so good. You really should play it. You, so that's you don't have where... as many you don't have as many Spider-Men in that game for one. It's literally just amazing. And twenty ninety nine and their 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 stories are much more linked, I feel, than than in Shattered Dimensions. And and so maybe people just just weren't crazy about that change. I I. I don't know. I've wait, I've never played that one. So wait, wait, wait a minute. Now I'm looking at these. Um, Spider-Man: Web of Shadows is hold on. Uh, gameplay revolves around a little, little exploration. Control Spider-Man. It can swing. Uh, I'm trying to see if this involves. Do all these games just involve multiple characters? Like, are they? Is that a gimmick? Have people ever been happy just playing Spider-Man? <laughs> oh no, there are plenty that where you just play Spider-Man. Just the ones that we happen to be talking about aren't. Oh, okay. Like, um, but uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move on and try to link this video game a little bit. So go for uh, it. Go for the, it. The the game was released to generally favorable reviews, and its success inspired Dan Slott to create a comic book storyline in November 2014 called Spider-Verse, which was touted as having every Spider-Man ever, which <laughs> it almost did, but technically didn't. There were some that couldn't appear due to rights issues, like they wanted to try to put the spectacular Spider-Man, Josh Keaton's Spider-Man, into, into it, and they couldn't. Um, due to rights issues. Yeah. Uh, the story brought together even more versions of Spider-Man, as well as a few new ones. To combat the villain Morlin and his twisted interdimensional family, a race of beings known as the Inheritors, as they attempt to hunt and destroy spider people, or spider totems as they were called. Super across... strong southern vampires. I, I think they're supposed to be Victorian. I do not care. I always read them as southern, the, the cuffs on the clothes just make me think Civil War era vampires. If it's okay with you, sir, I would like to get that last sentence in real quick. <laughs> you may try. All right. All right. It's kind of a long one. So let me go ahead and do that one more time. Uh, the story brought together even more versions of Spider-Man as well as a few new ones. 
To combat the villain Morlin and his twisted interdimensional family, a race of beings known as the Inheritors, as they attempt to hunt and destroy spider people across the interdimensional web of life. Now, I know you've read Spider-Verse, and I have never heard the strong southern vampires thing before, so please feel free to elaborate on that. Tony, have you seen their outfits? They look like they just came from Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I I love them. They're so awful. Okay, this is part of Straczynski and Slot problem, because if I'm not wrong, uh, Michael Straczynski made Moreland and the yes. Inheritors, but they yes. were not what Slot turned them into. Well, and, I, I, would I, actually, mean, not a, I would actually say that Straczynski they? made Moreland. Yeah. I think the and, concept of making him part of a family and then calling them the inheritors, like, I that think was that, an extension that, that was more slots doing, yeah. I, I would yeah. argue. So there's the idea, right, that they tried to, to kind of plug Spider-Man into a greater animalistic mythology, and that was Straczynski, and that was kind of anchored only in, I'm going to get the dimension wrong, Earth or, or Earth 616 or whichever the main Marvel planet, it, the comic book planet's on, right? And then, yeah, so they had the idea of... Despite yeah. what Nick Fury says in the MCU. And so that was where they established, okay, there's the the great other, there's the, the primal animalistic kind of spider totem that... Spider-Man is kind of attached to mystically in some ways. Um, and that Morlin is a character who is a being that eats any character that is tethered to an animal totem. And he's basically evil, evil, horrible life force vampire man with fancy outfit. And then they kind of expanded the slot, expanded that further into what if there are more of them? What if there is a bigger group of them? What if they eat other spider characters? include now I'm, i don't remember if this was in the initial run when it was getting around to Morlin eating all the different spider-men but dan slot is a sadist and i know that he is equally <laughs> loved and hated for this but they had Morlin eat the spider-man versus marvel versus capcom spider-man where they actually framed it in a 2D fight panel sequence. They had Morlin eat the Spider-Man from Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, which I will never I forgive him that. for. No. Because I that was, reading <laughs> that. And was, he also, that was I believe he horrible. also got Spider-Man 1602. Yeah, no. And so it was just Dan Slott going around murdering all your favorite childhood mm -hmm. nostalgic Spider-Man. And... And that was obviously part of the, the seriousness of ramping up the, ooh, it's not just... It's not just one Spider-Man. They're eating all the Spider-Men. Right. And it was the, again, my memory here is, is shoddy. It's that Moreland was the baby of the family. Cause wasn't he the one that was put in the, the goofy diver helmet? No, that would be Karn. Karn. That was Karn. Oh yes, my God. That's that right. Karn. Yes. And so uh, they kind of tried to establish that. Well, there's the family's kind of dysfunctional. There's the, Tony, have you ever seen or read the Invincible comics? Um, I've not really. I've, I mean, I've watched the show, but I know that doesn't have all of the comic elements in because it's just one I mean, season. But it's kind of like you know. where they they kind of viltrumited the the inheritors <laughs> into being these supermen, strong kind of things, and the right. the lead 
patriarch of the family is a very um invincible looking kind of character he's just this huge hulking dude who's just it's i don't know it's the aesthetics he, he for them are very cosmic silly. spider-man <laughs> which was like which was which was actually one of the points that i think it, that people w- were like whoa okay th- that this is serious now like I, 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 I've got all kinds of issues with Spider-Verse, the comic book story, um, but I also feel like it had its moments where it's like, oh, okay, sure. yeah, that's that's not um, that's that's well, that's kind of scary, you know, because in, in the original set piece, it was uh, Spider-Woman or it was it was the Spider-Woman from the the apocalypse. Ah, I'm getting this so wrong. The apocalypse world where it was like um, Kingpin and the other supervillains kind of ran things like she was like uh, an escapee of Magneto and was obsessed with basically killing them. Because I'm trying to remember the the name of that plot line. That uh, one I'm not remembering at all. But uh, because she, because it was her Spider Punk, uh, Spider Woman, Superior Spider Man, and I can't remember the original OG team that they had kind of team up. That Peter has to be the leader of to stop the inheritors from eating the the, the being at the center of the web of life. And that they end that plot with, and then we're going to lock the inheritors away on a world full of radiation and no spiders or something. They're, they're going to lock them away. Yes. And then we'll never see them again <laughs> until Dan Slott was like, hey, what if we what if we brought them back? <laughs> and then they yeah. had no, uh, I, another round of Spider-Verse shenanigans. I, I mean, like, again the concept of the spider-verse idea like in in the comics was pretty cool i was like okay let's see let's see what he does with it at de- at that point dan slot had written some pretty good spider-man stories i believe he had written like he started with big time um he went on uh he he did a lot more stuff with like um horizon labs um he he did a lot of stuff that was just like okay this is interesting this is fun I want to see more. And then he goes in and he does this story. And right before he does this story, like literally leading into it, he introduces us to Silk. And oh my God. Like yeah. she had a role in Spider-Verse too. She was the the spider bride. Okay. And okay. I love the character of Silk, by the way. Cindy Moon excellent character i do not think dan slot who i believe created her should be anywhere near her ever okay <laughs> um it just felt to me like with the whole spider bride thing and the pheromones and and she and peter couldn't keep their hands off each other ever it just felt very cringe it felt very i mean it felt creepy <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, time yes hence why my initial statement many people will praise and hate dan yes. slot for his work yes uh this is definitely on the and and, and why, that's the thing. why slot yeah like that's the thing he's written some genuine like i love his run on superior spider-man up until the end but like um like he his octavius was doing things that peter never would have done as spider-man i loved it you know <laughs> but then you've got stuff like this where you've got silk and and it's like what are you doing why are you doing this like and and i, I don't want to go into it too much but it's just like 
Dan Slott is very hit or miss. And I feel like he was given the opportunity to, you know, he wanted to, ha he wanted to beat Stan Lee's run on the comic. He, he wanted to do like every Spider-Man ever. He wanted to kill off Peter. He wanted to bring him back. He wanted to establish himself as like the authoritative writer of all things Spider-Man. And I feel like he got his wish, but I don't think it quite went the way that he maybe wanted it to, or the, that, you know, I feel like it could have been better. I guess I feel like he wore out his welcome. And and I, I, I feel like Spider-Verse was the start of that, where it was just like, oh, what are you doing, you know? He is the Peyton Manning of, of Spider-Man. He is... I will, he will win many awards by virtue of having been around longer than most of his contemporaries and he has genuinely good talent he's just also unfortunately cringy yes <laughs> so it's kind of it's just a very it's a very he's a difficult guy to talk about and so when you're mentioning his writing in like the video game i don't recall you saying "Ooh, this was a bad plot because i think yeah. when he's he's one of those writers who if he's paired with a good editor or a focused narrative, I think he does an exceptionally good job mm -hmm. when he's allowed to just go cart block launch and run wild. It's going to be Homer with the shotgun makeup shotgun. It's going to go, yeah. it's going to get everywhere. Some of it will be on target. Some of it will just be off. Yeah. And then we're stuck with his proclivity for, you know, some of the way he writes characters is just frankly not like with silk. It's just yeah. uh, not great. And, and I mean, like, unfortunately, you have a lot of Spider-Man writers who've been like that. <laughs> McFarlane. But um, but, you know, that that's just kind of the way it is. Sometimes you just have to Man, kind of take the take McFarlane the, bad the at least so. McFarlane at least wrote a married Spider-Man couple that acted like a married Spider-Man couple. I love oh, the yeah. relation, the dynamic between them in the McFarlane era so very much. And I did not realize how like how best to say this. Um, how very not teenager-y they are as adults. Yeah, I agree. And that is such a weird flavor to go back and reread those and be like, oh man, he is not anywhere near being awkward or dorky. He's a kind of cool dude who's married to a supermodel. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. and then you kind of, I think Dan Slott, his big thing was he loves the awkward teen, bungling, bad Parker luck kind of kid. And no matter what, how old Peter is, he keeps wanting to put that back in. He wants to rewind mm -hmm. Spider-Man continually like a yo-yo. And it's kind of rough to, I to feel watch like a writer. most people who come into Spider-Man, they want, they want to hit that reset button at some point, which, which I feel like, I mean, you know, I, I really wish they would age him up and, you know, like I was never a huge fan of the marriage, but I was an even bigger critic of how they ended it. You, you, oh yeah, no, you, we have, you we know have, this. You know. <laughs> oh this. yes, no. I'm, I'm not meaning yeah. to inadvertently lure any, you into a one any, more day anyone, conversation. Anyone who knows me knows how I feel about the story. One more day, but um, but I'm, and believe me, I oh, could do and, an, I could do an entire episode on that. We're and not going to acknowledge the to acknowledge the chat here real quick. Leah Rose has asked an interesting question: uh, Which Spider-Man in the multiverse is more powerful? I unfortunately think that's just going to have to default answer to Cosmic Spider-Man or Captain Captain Universe Spider-Man. Yeah, just for the sake of ah, well, yeah, that's that is the end game. Which is <laughs> which is why it was such a big deal when um, oh God, Solus, I think his name was, when Solus yeah. killed and ate him. Like yeah, like. 
it was like <laughs> this if 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 this spider-man can't beat him then what chance do any of the rest of you have which yeah. you know if if i wanted to be a smart aleck i could be like well peter 616 beat us he 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 you know he beat mortland he could probably beat solas you know so i mean true i mean there's always going to be the you know you you kind of pull your you know you're an, a, the a hero of these, of... <laughs> yeah a, a lot of these types of questions though they come out and it's like the the real answer like you know which which is more powerful I mean, the totally honest answer to that is it depends which writer is writing them and, yeah. and how and how good a job they do of, of telling that particular conflict or story or what have you. Um, but, um, you know, like which is which is why I tried to avoid getting into fights with people over stuff like that. Who's the better this? Who's the better that? It's like, well, who's writing him? <laughs> you know, well, actually, that's I think, though, is actually why the Spider-Verse has an idea is why it sticks around is because you no longer have to have a which who's more powerful. You can actually have a, Ooh, who, which team do you like better? Mm -hmm. Because they're all on the same team. And I don't think the question will ever be, Oh, who's more powerful Spider-Man 2099 or miles Morales in the movie. It's more interesting to ask, Oh, do they get along? Like which spider characters, it's like an RPG, like which spider characters make the best team. Right. And which ones would be the most interesting to watch or read. Yeah. And we've seen like, I think in the current, uh, or the most recent spider verse story, which I think was called end of spider verse, which I, I haven't gotten around to reading yet, but they did an, they did another edge of spider verse companion series where they introduced more, more spider people. And, um, they introduced a spider person that um like that had to like they had to they had to have canes on each hand to get around you know which informed the way you know that they fought but you know it's like it's like a there there are people in the world who who are disabled in that way where they can get around if they're able to support themselves up with with like two walking canes you know and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that I like about Spider-Verse, just the concept of it, this, we could create it like any type of spider person and that per that, that spider totem, as I'm going to try to call them from now on is, is, you know, just as valid to, to wear the mask and to be a hero as Peter Parker is, or as Miles Morales is, or as Gwen Stacy is, you know, and, and so I, I really, you know, I, I really like that idea where you're not you know i i feel like the who which spider-man could beat up this spider-man you know like who would win in a fight you know like those are those are fine questions but we hear them so often where it's just like i, I feel like we need to we need to ask other types of questions like could there be a spider-man who you know is hearing impaired like like hawkeye is you know or, or something like that and how would they how would they what kinds of things would need to happen in order for them to spider as well as the other spiders, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I definitely think that that gets to Spider-Man is a much better franchise than I think any, and again, I've, I've said this before, you, people can look up the numbers on it. Spider-Man just prints mad money. Mm -hmm. Like oh, Spider-Man yeah. is probably just the best branding character because and I, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I can't think of this as many other examples because they don't work like Batman. 
they'll make other Batman, but everyone just always literally that's what kind of makes people grouchy is they're like, oh, but it's not Bruce. Right. Like Spider-Man is literally just become a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, no, there's like 10 and you can <laughs> like each different version for the different qualities that they bring without invalidating the other. I mean, yeah, like someone being like, like Gwen, I think Spider-Gwen is a much better version of the fate of Gwen Stacy because I don't think Gwen Stacy should have ever existed just to, you know, be a, oh no, poor Peter. Like them taking a version of her and being like, no, she can be a cool character too with a oh, much yeah. better outfit. Look at this. And then people can go, ooh, I, like my students love Miles and Spider-Gwen, but if you ask them, ooh, which one's your favorite character, they kind of just go, ooh, I just like Spider-Man. Like right. as a, and I don't mean to say that they're just like defaulting to a branding like dog whistle. I just think that unlike any other comic property that exists, straight up Spider-Man just serves better as a multifaceted thing that people can just go. I I, I just don't actually really encounter many arguments over like Superman. People will just go <laughs> crazy, but not shut up over no Henry Cavill's better. No, they should make this ver black suit Superman. I don't hear that with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's just a happier, better freaking topic. And I just don't know what it is about the character that makes people just genuinely happier to see more of him that people don't really fight over with the extension of, and we, I'm not steering this towards that conversation, Tony, but you and I have talked about how the real actors who play the roles is a different conversation. But as far as their characters go, um, in the comics, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Cat, Spider-Man Noir, like people just kind of go, oh yeah, I like them all. For, yeah. And I may like one more than the other, but it doesn't become a, oh, that's not really Spider-Man conversation. Right. Well, I mean, you know, when you think about the the history of Spider-Man, like Peter, you know, comics Peter, has 60 years of, of lore behind him. He's got 60 years of Marvel's best writers telling stories of varying quality. And so, like, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's a branding dog whistle just so much as, like, this version is just kind of, like, feels like it's the umbrella under which everything else is is existing um but you know yeah no I, I i think i agree with you in general there's just kind of a you know it's just there, better vibes there, there's better vibes there's more varied vibes i would say you know uh superman is fairly monolithic batman is fairly monolithic you know but but yeah but people are super tribal about batman yeah people <laughs> either i mean i'm serious my friend's father uh, who one of our mutual friends, his dad was like, oh, Batman to me will always be Adam West. Right. And that is such a different everything about Batman than someone who maybe like kind of closer to our ages who may be like, oh, Batman should be something more like Michael Keaton. <laughs> Spider-Man has been Spider-Man, like a goofy teenager who fights dudes themed after animals that has never had a... Oh, well, that's I mean, the closest you got was like Spider-Man and his amazing friends was kind of a campy romp from, mm -hmm. you know, the 60s or 70s or whatever. But no one ever went out of their way to go, oh, we can't have that Spider-Man anymore. Like Grant Morrison did. He did for Bat. He had to come along to, to 
to say, hey, all Batman stuff is valid, and I'm going to put all Batman stuff in all my comics. And people went, they kind of hemmed and hawed and went, well, it's good when Grant does it, but no other writer could do that. Where Spider-Man <laughs> is just consistently like, nah, everything Spider-Man's always canon, and it's always yeah. good. And writers are a different story, but Spider-Man never had a thematic change like they had to go from like Adam West to uh, um, uh, the direct the the version of it for oh my god I'm forgetting the director's name who did Snyder the 90s Batman not no not well that's a whole other thing um, you know you have retro there wasn't a retro Spider Man a gothic Spider Man and a gritty modern Spider Man it's always just been treated the same way right and something about that version of the character has also translated to when you crisscross him into alternate versions everyone is just pretty much great with him with that version of the female spider-man awesome cat spider-man awesome oh my god like, <laughs> i was like so nobody, happy about that nobody really ever gets i just he's just such a very positive branding that I just think the franchisability of him just works where it does not work for any other comic character ever. And when you try that with other characters, something about maybe the era it was made in, who the director is, the style, like someone's going to just get real tribal over it and be like, nah, this was when it was good. The only thing I've ever really hear people get grumbly about with Spider-Man incarnations is, does he quip enough? Oh, right. But, but not, oh, does he use webs or not? like, I mean, maybe there was that crowd who got a little grouchy over organic spider webs versus the web shooters. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, no one went, oh, yeah, but he shoots webs, though. So right. he's still good. <laughs> like He said, yeah, someone, uh, Janet, kind of mentioning Spider-Man is very timeless. I think that his that continues to prove the case every decade when no one looks back at the previous decade and goes, oh, but that's not Spider-Man. The worst I may go is, oh, I don't like Tobey Maguire. Right. I think that 30-year-old playing that 16-year-old looks real weird <laughs> in hindsight as we look backwards in time. But that's an actor thing. And I think that's separate from, is from the comics. mythology treated different? Is the aesthetic treated different? You know, no one goes back and goes, oh, we need a grittier Spider-Man that punches enemies into dust. Like something about him just doesn't he cannot be translated that way unlike or maybe no one's tried and i think they wouldn't do it because it'd be career suicide like for some reason you could do it with batman you can do it with with superman but spider-man just it doesn't work and i think that's great well i mean i think to... i think when you use the word multiverse that makes it easier too you know yeah like you, you just they're... you just do it's just like oh you don't like this well there's the multiverse you know um there's there's another multiverse where your, your favorite exists you know and, and i think that i think that 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 kind of i i feel like i feel like marvel studios found a way to out doctor who doctor who basically when they did that no that is and, no okay you know, that is actually a really really good example i actually really like that except for the fact that people still get even more tribal over doctor who okay we're not going to go into doctor who right now but 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 i but i think that idea of that i think doctor who is closer to getting it kind of what i feel like spider-man's eternal translatability is mm -hmm. but unlike but because it's a comic uh, i think that that is kind of i think doctor who is hinged more on actor like 
that's what the draw is. You want to see who the new actor is to see what they bring to the role as opposed to Spider-Man, which is, oh, they're always going to be Spider-Man. I just want to see what kind of Spider-Man it is. So right. it's like the same it's like the same issue just flipped. If, I'm probably not making any sense with that, but I still think that point gets closer to the the good transmutability of oh yeah you could absolutely have different spider-man no one cares <laughs> like people will right. enjoy it <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna move us on um let's see now i have my issues with this comic book story spider-verse it's more or less okay but there are parts of it that felt poorly planned contrived and in some cases just out of character for uh, many of the cast I honestly really enjoyed the Spider-Verse tie-in story that featured Spider-Man's clones going on their own mission, but <laughs> so much of the main story was either forgettable or just outright cringe-inducing, Silk's role in this story, anyone, that I was really beginning to sour on Slot's run on ASM at this point, which was sad as he'd written some truly great stories earlier on. And I know we've talked a lot about Dan Slott already. Do you have any more perspective on him before we move on? Um, I mean, look, Slott is, he's a guy with his own proclivities. I think that he just wants to tell story. I, he's an, ex, he is a zoom in close up version of the best and worst parts of fandom writing mm -hmm. when you love a character a whole lot and you finally get to steer that character's direction i think when you genuinely love a character that means you are both the best and worst person to tell those stories because it's just going to get closer to well what do you love about that character so like okay. i think slot wanted to make a lot of cases many times where what he loves about spider-man is spider-man falling down and all the money falls out of his pocket and the lunch tray slaps in his face that's what he loves about spider-man and that spider-man gets back up again right that whole and that's actually kind of true of the the spider-verse where they're like oh spider-man always gets back up i personally think the better part about spider-man is the responsibility angle Yes. And that that carries with you, you know, no matter, you know, even when your life is kind of you, you're going to have to pick between, oh, uh, something that's good for the person I'm saving and bad for me personally. I think that's the more Spider-Man thing. But anyway, Slot takes that to some extremes to the point yes. where he made the superior Spider-Man storyline, which was such a huge gamble that I'm, I'm still to this day, I remember you were, I think I was grumbly about it on some kind of social media and you talked to me about it. Like, I bet it's going to be good. And I was like, no, you can't kill Spider-Man. <laughs> That's stupid. And you were like, no, nah, I bet it's really going to be okay. And I was like, no, I was very defensive of it. I was like, you don't do that to a character if you love them. And it took like till the end of the run for the whole vision to be complete, which is obviously true of most comic runs. They'll do something right. stupid and it gets people talking. And so by the end, I was like, yes, this is absolutely one of the best Spider-Man stories I've ever read. It's wonderful. I love it. It gets to all the things that is good about Spider-Man and, and exemplifies that. And it even taught Otto to, <laughs> if you, if you take Spider-Man and put Otto to go through the Spider-Man ringer, will he come out like Spider-Man too? And it actually had the answer that yes, he will actually. Yeah. If, if you are true to what being Spider-Man is, 
And I was like, yeah, fist pumping. Like, oh, it's such a good year. Let's go. And so I think when he writes stuff like that, he is one of the best Spider-Man writers around because I will still go back to that and go, oh, yeah, if you don't, even if you don't like Spider-Man, you should still read the story mm-hmm. because it's still very interesting. Yep. And then, unfortunately, he also writes everything else he writes, which is cringy or, you know, he gives Peter a billion dollars just so he can yank it away from him. Like, right. he's really mean to Peter. He's like that loving uncle who, you know, kind of really cares about you, but is going to rib you at the same time. He's kind of handing you money. Like, right. No. And, so and I, I, I mean, like he's he's yes, he's a little mean to Peter, which I don't really fault him for, because, I mean, you know, good writers are often going to put their their babies, their protagonists through the ringer. It, it, it makes for good drama. And. I, and and I don't have a problem with that. Um, uh, I just I, mean, I he... feel like sometimes it just lands well, and sometimes it does not. And uh, well, I mean, I, I think you're. I think that hits at a good point. Like, is he meaner than the author that wrote Craven: The Last Hunt? Is he meaner than that to Peter? I mean, I and, mean, and that's uh, that's a story worth exploring at some point because yeah, that's you know. that's a that that's a that is a vicious fate right there. <laughs> You know, I mean, was it was it Dan Slott that did the gauntlet storyline where it was just a year of just kicking Peter in the face? I don't like, remember. If I don't. The I think that was I think I that was remember. before. I, think, I think that was before Dan Slott, like just before. I, I think it was, too. And so I could, think that was you know. that may have been anyway. So I just think to sum up Slott, he he has a lot of really re- he's kind of like Alan Moore in that if you have a good editor and your editor is in the, <laughs> in the background saying, hey, yeah, you can't do this, buddy. And he's like, but I really want to. No, you can't do that. <laughs> like, I feel like having a good editor to kind of restrain some things is a good thing for him. Um, I think, though, that he got to the point where, and, and again, this is kind of, again, the Manning thing. Like, when you're that good and your talent is really that good, yeah, you're going to attract a lot of people who are going to point out your flaws. But at the same right. time, it's like, yeah, but I've been writing Spider-Man longer than anyone at least in, in recent decades. So he's going to happen to churn out some really good stuff. So I definitely think he's a, he's a, someone who is a really good creator. He has made some very iconic content. It's just, you know, just like any other writer. Yeah, but then he's got his bad stuff. Just like, I mean, people who love Claremont forget that Claremont wrote a lot of bad character traits into those X-Men. Like, he made Professor X a real jerk. And... You know, so as much as anyone could come along and be like, oh, Claremont's the best X-Men writer. Yes, he probably is. He also did a lot of stuff to those characters that was irreparably, you know, you, you can't reverse that either because that's how big a deal he was. So I think Slot right. is just that for Spider-Man. OK, that that makes that makes a certain amount of sense. I I I I. I... I'm far from saying that Dan Slott is the worst Spider-Man writer. I, I don't even know who that is. Oh, no, he's he, no, no, no. Um, he's, but, he's not but, the worst. Yeah, no. There are other writers for that. Yeah, Bendis but, but but he definitely is, is his own category. He definitely he definitely lands bad at times. But he also, you know, like 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 you've said, it, you know, he's people. And, you know, he's uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, as people, we make mistakes. We're inconsistent. We do things like that. Um, I just wish, I guess I just wish that he had, his, his overall tone had been a little bit more consistent. Um, but, you know, we, we, we got Superior Spider-Man out of him. And again, love that run. Um, but, you know, um, 
you 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 got to take the bumps along with the good stuff as well. So, all right. Um, I'd mentioned earlier that the Spider Verse comic event occurred in November 2014 and ran until February 2015. In what I would call a twist of fate, November 2014 is also when Sony's big email hack scandal happened. That's when we discovered they were planning to work on an animated <laughs> Spider-Man film. That's sorry, I'm going to redo that. Uh, that's when we discovered they re- were planning to work on an animated Spider-Man film with Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. So Sony Pictures Animation put out an announcement of the development of an animated Spider-Man film. Michael, do you remember the great Sony email hack of 2014? <laughs> Uh, Tony, do I remember that they wanted to make a young Aunt May spy movie? How could I forget what we were robbed of, Tony? We were robbed of the greatest Spider-Man property to ever not exist. Now yeah, I yeah, remember the, I, the, the the black the Black Widow prequel. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my God. They were. Look. I. <laughs> this is. I. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. It's Amy Pascal was the was the executive, yes. right? Who yeah. was behind kind of the she would have the final run or the final say on these kinds of projects. I think that she is very similar to Kathleen Kennedy in that very very in the long term can absolutely pick some real winners in certain kinds of categories for their property. So like, for example, she was behind a lot of the very good casting decisions that went on for like the Raimi Spider-Man movies and the amazing Spider-Man movies. I think in terms of casting 10 out of 10 decisions were made with her at the helm of that at the same time, plot decisions, not so much. And I think like in the same okay. way that Kathleen Kennedy should rightfully be praised for so many of the good things that happened with star Wars. You can also point to some of those decisions coming back and being like, ah, I was also at the helm for some of the not so great ones. Like who let, who let this, uh, whatever. Oh my God. Whatever his name is. JJ um, Abrams, who let him start writing a trilogy and not end a trilogy. Right. right. So I think that there were some, that email is very indicative of you can be a good producer. That doesn't mean that you're a good plot creator. And I think that in, in this case, those emails (laughs) probably let loose a bunch of stinky air that got to be evaporated from the Tupperware to then clean the palate of everyone go, Oh good. Look, everyone thinks they're awful. Well, we clearly won't make a silver sable movie now, (laughs) now that everyone knows we were planning it. I purposely, wasn't that like a black cat in silver sable movie? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Silver and black or something like that. Who, who, who knows, man, they had a sinister, they've been wanting to do a sinister six for so long. It's the same problem, in my opinion, is whenever, um, you know, let's make a Justice League movie. Well, you need some time to bring these characters. No, you don't. (laughs) Just just do it now. You don't need it. That's not going to be the third movie. That should maybe be the fourth or fifth. No, Sinister Six. I really do. Set them up in movie two. I really do wish, though, that uh, by this point we had seen 
a decent iteration of Felicia Hardy on screen. Like, I really don't feel like we have, at least as far as the movies go, you know? Like, yeah, she technically showed up in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but no, she didn't, you know? I think that that is a... Felicia. Uh... <laughs> anyways that that's that's, that's a that's a tangent for another episode but but you know like i feel like that's a noteworthy character who has not really gotten any good love on screen you know i i think that spider-man should i'm that's why i'm very glad that they've just been like hey look here's just mary jane but we need to have gwen say no you don't <laughs> no you don't it's fine just have mary jane and let it be mary jane the whole time it's just there's so many other things that spider-man canon stuff needs to do that i think that was a very appropriate decision just be like no nah, just focus on mary jane have that be the emotional core of the story then you don't have to do the amazing spider-man route and introduce a really really good gwen stacy only to have it be like oh but look now she dead i'm like ah that made me feel great oh, emotionally movie. investing in in the good casting that you made here just to that kill movie, that character I tell you. <laughs> Ugh, that movie um in 2017, they released a teaser trailer that revealed Into the Spider-Verse's unique visual style. It immediately caught the attention of fans and critics alike with its stunning animation and fresh take on the Spider-Man mythos. Lord and Miller spent years developing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse's unique animation style, which combined traditional hand-drawn animation with cutting-edge computer animation techniques. The result was a film that would look and feel at times like a living, breathing comic book. Michael, what did you think of the animation in Into the Spider-Verse in particular? Tony, are you trying to have me killed? <laughs> did you pick did you pick the one question that's gonna get me killed? I actually so this is what I call the the one piece issue. One okay. piece as a manga looks very good in black and white while it is still when it is animated and moving up until the recent ability for them to pour the quality they needed in to make it look real good. It did not look very good to me. And I was actually a little put off by watching it in motion. Spider-Verse is kind of, they do this frame rate switching, which to yes. me is not it just to my eyes and the way that they're doing it does not actually appear. I think is fluid as it does consistently all the time and i personally think that has to do with the way that they they do color palette cycling so again i'm just going to refer back to my i really like the alchemex lab animation right because the palette was much more stable as a color base so what i mean by that is my eyes don't have to try to seem like they're they're adjusting to a frame rate that is inconsistent with what I'm seeing flashing behind them. So that's why that last big giant spectacle is very difficult for me to watch because it makes the animation look like it's going at 20 frames per second, mm -hmm. which to me does not translate into smoothness. But when they do the whole body, like uh, there's a scene where Gwen and Pete, Gwen and Miles, uh, when they're tag teaming, I think it's Kingpin and they're slapping Kingpin around. Right. And they kind of do this cool, like they do a little fist bump. When you have the motions of the characters be more full body close up shots, like their faces, I think it looks wonderful. I love how they emote and how they look. 
But when it gets into the big, colorful, wacky set pieces, my eyes just can't do it. And so it feels like I'm looking at something that was rendered improperly. And then I realize, oh, that's a stylistic choice they're making. It's yes. not something wrong with what I'm watching. No, that's it's... the way it's supposed to look. And I am very not the biggest. Like, I know they're going to repeat that with the, the new Ninja Turtles movie mm -hmm. that they're making. And it's very clear that they are kind of copying that style. However, I would say it may look better for that property if they're not having lots of bright, colorful, wacky colors. So I'm not trying to be out here saying, oh, <laughs> it's not for me. I am trying to be out here saying it's just the way that they chose to do it. I acknowledge craftsmanship. 110%. I, any person who worked on the animation team of that movie deserves any and all praise that they get. And anyone who loves it, please love it. Go watch the next one. Love it more. I'm hoping, but I'm very fearful that it's going to be the same thing again. <laughs> that it's going to, they're going to have a big giant sequence with a million Spider-Men. And my eyes are going to be like, I can't focus on anything that's going on here. And I'm just going to have to go back and watch it again. And so I'm hoping they don't do that again, just for me personally. But right. I do think that it's for close-ups for when the characters, when the, when the, when, when they're not using particle effects, I think everything looks fantastic. But the minute they turn the, the color dial spectrum up to infinity, that animation style and my eyeballs do not work. And I would have dreaded having to have watched it in 3D because I think I probably would have melted. In oh, addition man. to, I wear glasses. And so I yeah. would have had to have 3D glasses over my glasses watching that. That would have been my nightmare. So uh, unfortunately, I have to be the guy who's like, oh, no, it's real good. Except for the part where I'm sure is everyone's favorite scenes, <laughs> where it's the big, cool action scenes. Well, I, and I'm I mean, actually like I mean, the opposite. You're, you're... I love when they're standing still. I love when the palettes are darker. Like when Miles is with his uncle in the doing the spray paint. Beautiful. When Miles is doing uh, the jump. Beautiful. Uh, but when it gets into actually, that is probably the most cinematically beautiful sequence in the entire thing. Okay, is is the falling up because it's so much slower, and the palette is different. And it's not colors going wacky all over the place. But for the big multiverse sequences, like the fight in the accelerator, both of them at the beginning and in the end, hard for me to watch. And I know that has some of the best set pieces that I'm sure people love. And I'm just over here like, I don't think it's as good. <laughs> okay, so. you okay, I, I need to I need to I need to interject here because you keep you, you keep talking about the big action pieces. Um when I was when I was thinking of an example of of the animation that I liked, uh I mean the big action, you know, fights at the end, like, yeah, those are fun, but those are not what I'm recalling. Uh, for me, um, it's the moments when Miles is like, you know, he, he, uh, he's discovering his powers and ends up having to walk on the wall outside like the with, physical, with pigeons the physical and stuff. stuff like, like stuff like that or stuff when he's like looking around and he's like, do people know, do they know? And you see like the comic book panels, like, you know, coming into frame and then like he's leaving them behind as he keeps walking, like stuff like stuff like that is what sticks out to me when you talk about the animation. 
of this movie and and yeah i you know like i I remember you more now yeah i remember like the stylistic choice to make miles his frame rate when he starts off as a superhero is like i think it 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 gradually gets increased as he comes into his own and it gets more smoother and everything and like I mean, like, I think that's really cool conceptually. I I, I acknowledge the the that's going to cause problems for people who, um, who notice like whose eyes, whose brains notice those kinds of things, but not at, maybe not as they they don't integrate them as smoothly as others might. Um, but I mean, like overall, um, I remember watching this film with my fiance. For the first time and i really wanted to get her uh her her reaction because i knew she was gonna like it and i was like sweetie you've got to watch this and she loved so much of the stuff they did with the animation because because it had been so different from everything that had come before it and i and i and i and i, and I feel like that you know that that is that is probably a big reason why it won uh the what was it that won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature in 2018? I think. Um, but anyways, oh, like, did it? I, I did not yeah, yeah, it did. It it beat out at least one other really big animated film too. I, I can't remember which one, but um, but it was it it was kind of a big deal at the time. I was like, wow, that was that that was something special. So, all right, um, I. Th- think yes we're going to talk a little bit more about uh about the adaptation itself here lord and miller had agreed to make an animated spider-man movie on the condition that they be allowed to adapt dan slot's spider-verse story uh, this adaptation was a very loose one with many significant alterations the most notable being that the story would focus on Miles Morales and his journey to becoming Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. The Inheritor storyline was scrapped entirely, but there were several iterations of Spider-Man from other dimensions that came together to help Miles defend his reality. What did you think of the changes from the comic? Do, do, we, do we miss the Inheritors? Was, no. was that an opportunity that was taken from us? No. On screen inheritors. Um, no. Oh my god. The the inheritors <laughs> as an idea. Morlin as an idea on paper on a comic book. Uh yeah, sure. Okay. Vampire mm-hmm. guy that eats people. Whatever. As a movie, as making that a movie thing we're seeing. No, get get out. Burn that to the ground. They I don't know if I would have chosen Kingpin as my empathy vessel for a villain who's trying to get his family back. But they did, and it was a really good choice, and it still was a much more human choice um, to go with. And I like the the reference that they used for him, like Kingpin being this huge black square. <laughs> I love when they show, it's unintentionally really funny, when they show his family portraits, and it's it's him as this huge round ball. Oh, see, because I think that was absolutely son. intentional myself. Oh well, I mean, but his regular looking family, and I was yeah. like, what a what a great choice. No, everything <laughs> about that movie as as an adaptation, everything about it is superior. Yes, like every every single part of it. It's I much. Agree. It's it's the only thing that obviously I think people could start getting into some 
maybe some nitpicks about is, ooh, wouldn't have this been a cooler Peter to use than Spider-Man Noir? They could have brought in this one. But I think that doesn't, but I don't think anyone, I just think them updating, giving Miles his own story, who needs to see Spider-Man's origin story as Peter Parker again? Not me. I'm good. I never want to see Peter Parker's origin story again, which made giving Miles one, it was refreshing and it was good. And it was, it, it, it made just like how MCU civil war made that terrible comic much better because there was years of distance from it to look back and go, okay, what do we really need from this? We just need these things. We don't need the rest. Right. Um, How do we distill this basically? Yeah. Yeah. Like they still have the same principle. Okay. Spider-Man is fighting green goblin and there is an accident and he dies and miles is going to become the new Spider-Man. That's it. That's all you need. But they did it in a much better way that short of anyone's frankly, racist reasons for not liking miles as a character both when he first appeared and in any other version of him people trying to dog whistle it as well if you like the character you should just make a new one that's not how spider-man works (laughs) like spider-man is actually a character where you can inherit the mantle kind of Mm -hmm. thing and it's great and so this was an updated more miles focused version other than people being grouchy. It wasn't like you were watching a Spider-Man movie where you were promised Peter Parker and then they bait and switch you. Like they no. told you from the beginning, it's yeah. Miles, he's the main character. And that was great. And I think that's wonderful. And they should do that. I'm glad they're still doing that. So I would say everything about that movie over the inherent... <laughs> I mean, will I be sad that there's no superior auto auto you know the one who didn't learn his moral lesson kind of intermixing the team yeah i'll be a little sad but if i want that i can go read the comic it ain't going anywhere this I'm was really, a much i'm really happy to hear your use of the word mantle because um yeah i remember i remember thinking about the the spider-verse and particularly like in ultimate spider-man the the comics where peter parker gets killed and then miles eventually becomes the spider-man of of that you know, dimension, reality, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And and in a lot of ways, if you think about Spider-Man or Spider-Woman or whatever as being a mantle, then there's no reason that, you know, it couldn't, in theory, go to just about, you know, anyone else, you know? Um, it, it if, if, if you are the, you know, if you're bitten by the spider or what have you, you know, you become the chosen one, then the mantle has been passed on to you. Um, and you have to think about whether or not you want to accept it. And and so I, I really, I really um, you know, I, I really dig the idea of Spider-Man being a mantle that can be passed on rather than just one identity of one superhero ever, you know? Like yeah. And 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 I and I feel like in a lot of ways that's kind of the direction that Marvel Comics has has started to go to, you know, like with uh Jane Foster Thor and and you know Bucky as Cap and you know stuff like like passing on the mantle. Oh, ab- you know, absolutely. Give it, give no, it, giving giving I... it to people who who are also worthy of the title and can fill that role, you know? Oh, I mean, weirdly I I mean, look comic books are just repeating the same thing over and over again the 80s was nothing but oh here's this woman called uh her name is miss marvel well not miss marvel not miss marvel uh 
Um, Monica Rambeau, uh, her first incarnation. Oh, uh, Captain, Captain, Captain Captain Marvel. Here, here's yeah. here's Captain Marvel. This dude called Black Knight. Um, here's <laughs> a She-Hulk, and yep. these are your Avengers now. And I really think that they've always been passing mantles on to characters. It's just they keep the old character around longer than they should, which is why I really think, even though it did not happen, and mentioned Claremont earlier, his initial idea was, no, nah, these X-Men characters, they graduate, they die, they they grow up, they stop going to school. Right. You see new characters come in, like Scott's eventually going to go off to Alaska, just have a family, and you never see him again, because you don't need to, because there's other characters. And I think comic books kind of have the nostalgia issue of, yeah, but what if that was your favorite character? Do you really right. want to see them go? What if that iteration is the person that you think is the way that it should yeah. be for all time yeah no it's but one of you know but one of my absolute favorite panels of all time in any comic ever is when it is uh richard Ryder uh nova comes back into comic continuity after having been gone for a while and comes across kid nova visions uh visions child daughter uh kamala khan and miles and like miles trying to explain to Richard Ryder, there's like, well, I'm Spider-Man, isn't? Yeah, but he's dead. Yeah, but yours isn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> and just the, and it just eventually ends, and they're all explaining like who they are, and it's just Ryder being like, I hate every single word of this sentence that you have said, <laughs> and I love it because That's I want funny. actually. But the champions is such a good was such a good group, and uh -huh. I really think they need to do more of that stuff. Like, not saying that old characters can't have their place, but the more younger characters you bring in, the more your property can kind of grow. Yes, and I just think that Miles is one of the best. Uh, Miles and Kamala actually are two of the best versions of doing that in the past twenty years. I think that. Uh, Quasar actually had some they had some good stuff with some 80s characters with passing some mantles onto them and keeping them around but they they stopped doing it after a long time and so I think Miles is point blank one of the better attempts at that and I think it's why he's just great that's why my kids my students love him and think he's awesome and they they just buy his stickers and I have seen so many Miles Spider-Man backpacks in my past like four years of teaching than I would have ever expected to see. And so it's like, great. It's like, yes, love the character. He's good. Keep, keep, keep watching stuff that he's in. Make him become popular. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gone back and I've read the Miles Morales comics. Um, and I really, the thing that I love most about them is that, that they feel very much like a Spider-Man story. You know, you've got, you've, You've got a lot of the, you get a lot of the tropes that you see in a lot of superhero stories, you know, balancing a secret identity, uh, dealing with school, dealing with girls or boys or, or whatever, you know, um, trying to trying to balance a normal life with your superhero ness, but also trying to figure out, you know, like, OK, when comes the point where I have to use these abilities that I've you know, stumbled into in some cases, um, for the greater good. Um, you, you know, when can I use them for myself? Should I ever do that? You know, and I feel like a lot of those things came into the Miles Morales comics as I was reading them. And, and it's really, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like I should point this out, but Miles is an interesting character. We know that Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man because he lost his uncle Ben and he could have prevented it if he hadn't been so self-centered. Miles 
it's 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 less about that and more about like he he ends up becoming Spider-Man before these things happen, but he usually ends up losing a relative of some sort. And depending which media you consume, it can be a different person. Yeah. In Into the Spider-Verse, it's Uncle Aaron. And actually in the comics, it's Uncle Aaron too. Um, but in the comics, he also loses his mother, Rio. And in, like, if you played the 2018 Spider-Man game... It's his dad. Like, it's a different relative depending on the medium. And it's just like, wow, uh, they, they, they just really want to, you know, like, I don't know. It, it just feels like they, they want to target, target his different members of his family. And it's just like, wow, this kid's going to have it rough no matter which way it goes, you know? That's, you know, again, that is, you know the spider-man mythos it's like yeah. are you really which again kind of ties back to the seems like a plot point they're going for for the new movie yeah which i think my theory is i think that it's going to be something's targeting his dad and that it's going to be a you know he's trying to save his father um instead of and but and that's kind of like oh no if you let this thing if you don't let this thing happen something bad will something right. even worse will go on. That, the, that's the whole, kind of like, the feeling I get too. The, is, is the goblin choice moment. Like every right. now and then a writer comes along and asks <laughs> you to make a sadistic choice. <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to continue and we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get a last bit of chatter and uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse premiered in December, 2018 to critical acclaim with many critics hailing it as one of the best superhero films ever made. The film's end credits scene teased the arrival of even more versions of Spider-Man, setting the stage for future sequels and spin-offs. And due to its enormous nah, and due to its enormous success, the fast approaching arrival of its sequel, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, will doubtlessly thrill another round of eager moviegoers. Michael, and you already started to answer this. What are you looking forward to most about Across the Spider-Verse? Do you have any particular hopes for this movie? Uh, Tony, what are your rules on on cursing? Like, can you bleep me out? Like, if I, <laughs> if I say a naughty word. I, I really hope that his, this whole movie is, fuck your stupid corporate plot line. <laughs> I really, really hope that from what it seems like that the plot is yeah this is where corporate says your your lore has to go buddy and miles is like nah i hate that i'm this does not have to be what my plot line is like i love that kind of stuff i almost it's just kind of gets to a and I know it comes a bit of a meme like, oh, they're going to they're going to what is it? Shatter your expectations or no, subvert mm -hmm. your expectations. Um, yeah, if you do it right, that can be great. Yeah. And I hope that is exactly what they do. And I hope you have a an edgy, broody, you know, Spider-Man 2099 there to be like, no, the plot has to always go down this way, <laughs> kid. And I'm like, yeah, shut up, Oscar Isaac. Like, I'm going to whatever. Like, uh, there's a I mentioned this to you before, but um, and I get I. I don't think I'm spoiling anything because I don't I don't know the plot outside from what's in posters or trailers. Um, there is a Chinese poster of the movie and it casts uh, Miles in the Sun Wukong outfit. 
And Journey to the West has always been about a... Now, this is where I'm a little worried. <laughs> it is always about a character whose whole trait is, I'm here to break your storyline, <laughs> and I don't want to do what God wants. Like, that is Son Goku, okay. Son Wukong as a character. Now, that usually ends with Buddha kind of being like, no, really go back to the prescribed plot line though, or I'm going to reveal to you how little you fit into the scheme of my, my cosmic <laughs> palm. I'm hoping that it's not that there's more to that, but I think that Chinese poster casting him as Sun Wukong is, is really indicative of where I hope this plot goes. Like, no, there's, there's a cosmology that I'm here to disrupt and I'm here to crash all your, your fancy banquets and, contrived plot plot sacred cows that's where i'm hoping it goes i'm hoping they know exactly where a sequel is always supposed to go and i would credit them for being subversive enough uh to to know that that that's what we need to see at this point i don't need any more like oh the second plot is always the darker one i was like no how about it is the happier one i don't know like i mean guardians of the galaxy kind of did that too a little bit it's like oh you would expect the second guardians movie to be more about Thanos and infinity stones. They went, nah, what if it's just a dude hashing it out with his cosmic space dad? Yeah. And yeah. nothing else. <laughs> and it's really good. So I'm hoping it's the same kind of thing. Okay. All right. So when, when miles goes, nah, I think I'm going to do my own thing. There was, there, there's a lot of hope on, uh, in that particular yes. line. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 No, no, I agree. And, and I mean, like I, I, I think I'm kind of with you on this. Like I, I'm, I'm really kind of of the opinion that there really is a very kind of established formula of of Spider-Man storytelling. We and you know we've seen it in all of the movies, and it feels like in a way this movie has a chance of going. Yeah, I see. That's that's all good if you like that kind of thing. But that's not the only way to tell a Spider-Man story. And I and I really want, you know, like I I, I wanna I wanna see what that is, for one. And I wanna see it be successful for another. I I I want to kind of explode this whole thing where it opens up <clears throat> a multiverse of possibilities. Oh, 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 see what you did there. <laughs> that uh, that 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 allow not only for like you know better types of storytelling you know like just different types and everything but that we can just see a lot of different portrayals of spider man spider people spider totems whatever you want to call them and and you know just like i mean i think it's i think it's kind of amazing already that we have a live action spider man who is still active basically and then we've also got an animated Spider-Man franchise. Like we've got these things going on at the same time. And I've always kind of been of I've always kind of asked the question in my head, why not continue to do this? Tell a di different Spider-Man story just to, you know, fine, use multiverse. It's just like why why can't we do um uh Craven's Last Hunt animated? You know? or 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 live action and just like it's just a different spider-man it's a different multiverse for that spider-man or something you know 
or find someone who looks like Tom Holland at age 40 and, and do that story or something, you know, like there are, there are ways that you could, you know, that you could write Spider-Man that I feel are kind of limited by, I think for lack of a better term, just like corporate business as usual. And, and it doesn't have to be that way, you know? I mean, it, it doesn't, I think that that's going to be, that's always been a very big issue for nerds uh, of our age who have been amused and entertained and then bored by a single property for so long that whenever something really cool comes along, that's part of a bigger continuity, we go, Ooh, look how refreshing that was. But other yes. people don't have that. And so for all the people who may appreciate the message behind something, honestly is, is, is kind of, it's it, it doesn't end in a nihilistic way, but like Craven's last hunt is a very dark story. Oh God. I, yes. I, I don't know. Like if you're talking about what Spider-Man is as a property, man, if you tried to sell that, you would run into problems of parents bringing their kids to a movie about a dude who's going to commit suicide to show Spider-Man what's up. Like that doesn't, that doesn't match. Like that would be terrible. That would be terrible. But us were like, yeah, no, it's cool, but it's really a really good story. If you kind of know what was going on at the time and what Spider-Man is. Right. And, and so you obviously don't target that story to children. Yes, I know. I know Spider-Man will always appeal to children, but if you do a story of an older Spider-Man in that kind of a, like you could market that in a way where parents are very clearly going to be like, I don't oh. think I'm going to take you to see this one. My five-year-old. Well, that is where DC did a better job until they didn't of doing (laughs) their animated movies. And they had a really good thing going for, I want to say, what, 20 years Mm -hmm. of solid straight. Yes, until they went whole hog on trying to connect them together. And then they tried to give them a continuity and then they ended it in the worst, most obscene thing I've ever seen, which was that constantine dark side trinity war crap which while trigon superman versus dark side was fun i did not need to see all those characters get carved up into parademons um you could absolutely well marvel did actually try to do that in the 2007 2008 they tried to have they had a doctor strange animated movie they had we watched the hulk versus thor and thor uh wolverine versus hulk movies Mm-hmm. Those things were great. Yeah, they were. They, they, were they should have kept they Yes, they should have always kept that. And they still could. Um, nothing's stopping them. I just think that it's going to come down to a, you know, with a straight, especially with a, now with physical media no longer being as big a thing, I think you're going to have to leverage that against, well, if you put it on a streaming service, who's going to want to watch it? And I, I think that there will always be, I, it just gets back to, they should hype the comics more. And I really think that in the beginning of these comic book movies, they need to have a five minute trailer for, hey, we want to introduce you to the artist who made the stories we're basing this stuff on. (laughs) Do you want to read the do you want to go see what, you know, uh, Wanda like Wanda, not WandaVision. um, Well, actually, WandaVision, they should have had a little feature with with King about being like, hey, here's what we base this comic run off of. Right. Go read the comic. When they have the movie of Civil War, they should have been like, here's the bundled, you know, the omnibus version of Civil War. Go buy this comic. Like, here's the artist who made it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that can be 
hyped up about what's good about comics that still exist so people go read them i mean i'm not saying everything should be why don't we have an animated craven's last hunt i'm just saying you could do an episode of an animated or an animated anthology like star wars has been doing Mm -hmm. like the the best thing of all time when they made those visions things you could have um, a multi like that that terrible what if cartoon that it was a good idea, just badly executed. You could totally make little vignette uh, arcs of some of the best animate, like animated little segments for some of the best comics, you know, of all time or whatever. Right. And be like, hey, here's the writer of. I, I keep, we keep using it, so I'm going to keep pointing back to it. Craven's Last Hunt. Here's an animated 30 minute movie version of you know a summarized version of that plot or something or 45 minutes or whatever right. yes if they yeah. really if they cared about the longevity of their properties and making sure people ultimately go back and buy those comics there is absolutely stuff they could do but i also think it defaults back to oh why is warner brothers so stupid that they refuse to for 20 years ever have there be a superman tv show because they're like, oh, people won't be able to tell. Or when Henry Cavill was Superman, they're like, oh, we can't put him in any of these other movies. People will be confused over how it works. <laughs> it's like, no, they, no, they won't. Shut up. What, what? Stop that. So, so here we are. Anyway, it's my soapbox. Executives make dumb decisions because they don't want to ruin their cash cows. When in reality, we are perfectly capable of going. Nah, there's a bracket you could put this stuff in. Just put it in the right bracket. And people will watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're 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 absolutely right about that. And and and, and again, that's that's why I think you could do a Craven, a Craven's Last Hunt movie um, that you market towards not kids, basically. Um, yeah. And 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 one of the reasons that I keep bringing up Craven's Last Hunt, because uh, guys like it or not, uh, Sony is doing a Craven movie later this year. And I'm going to be covering it. So um, expect uh, expect me to talk a little bit more about Craven as we get closer to October. But he's also being featured in Marvel's Spider-Man 2, the sequel video game. And oh, so that is I, no accident. You know, yeah, no, it isn't. It isn't. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm cool with it. I like the synergy. But uh, that's why I keep bringing it up. So, Well, um, actually, my wife... Uh, has pointed out that she was playing one of the, it was like the puzzle block kind of Marvel games and that they had synergy between that and uh, the Marvel snap. And it was very clearly intentional. Like for all the, for all the grief I give DC about how they do not interconnect their properties. It's like, hold the, just put their feet to some fires and they'll still be like, no, people won't understand. Marvel is very much into internal brand synergy oh, on yeah. a smaller level. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think that their their choice of, huh, a Craven movie is going to be coming out soon. Hey, we're going to have him in this Spider-Man game. I bet there's going to be a Marvel Snap Craven upgrade thing, you know, next mm-hmm. year or something. Oh, I could totally like, see I, it. I, I definitely think that, and personally, Craven doesn't have any stories except for The Last Hunt. And uh, re- personally, I, I don't think he's famous for anything else other than that. Um, I'd be yeah, hard pressed. That to was know. one heck of a story. <laughs> it was. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'll say that he was, he had an interesting run when they had him paired with his voodoo kind of like lover slash, um, Oh, Calypso. Yeah. Like yeah. that was actually a really interesting 
time for his character because that was what McFarlane, um, because that art yes. was kind of driving a lot of that 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 eighties dark edge kind of vibe. Right. I think there's a lot of cool stuff they could do with him, and I think just like Spider Verse, there's there's a way to do it if you really want there to be. But this gets back to Lord and Miller just being the right people for the right job. Mm-hmm. I think if yes. you get the right people who love what they're doing and they can look at this thing beyond being a, oh yeah, we can make some real money. You like Spider-Man? We'll make <laughs> lots of Spider-Man. I think they really liked, they took a story and they went, ooh, we really like this. But did you say that they said that they asked for permission first to say, let us do this, but let us do it our way? Um, I mean, my understanding, and and I've, only been able to look a little bit into it is that they would do an animated Spider-Man movie on the condition that they get to adapt Dan yeah. Slott's Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They looked at something and went, we love this and we will work with <laughs> it, but you have to let us make changes. Yes. Because I think that is rare to, and I'm good for Marvel for allowing them to do that. They do that sometimes. Like they let Gunn do a lot of things because right. um, I, I, that clearly doesn't happen on every movie that they that they make um because they'll you'll, you'll hear stories about you know what what one director is or is some some directors do and don't fit into what i guess i'm just going to call the marvel system um so i'm glad that they made an a, a side branch of that for animation and then they pick they they sounds like they came to them the 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 they came to Marvel and said, to... Hey, oh, okay. and we want to do this. I don't, I don't, I'd be actually really curious who contacted who. And if <laughs> it just came down to a, you know, did they look at Lord and Miller and go, actually they would have had to, they probably, cause they did the Lego movie first and then they were yeah. trying to do star Wars and mm-hmm. then, and then this. So they've had a relationship with them for a while. I'm, I'm sure it was a, Hey, we want to keep you in the system. What can we do to what would you do if you got to make your own thing? And they went, ooh, let us do this. And so I think that's the that's the best positive result of that's the positive angle of Marvel's studio system that they right. made is they had people they want to keep around and they want to keep them happy if they're very good. I think that also means that you get, you know, uh, other people like if you don't like the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, who is the director on that one? I, I oh, hate uh, that. John Watts, John Watts, right? I I can't tell you who John Watts is outside of, oh, he's the Spider-Man movie guy. Um, whereas I don't think, I don't know what he's famous for outside of that. But if you like his Spider-Man movies, they want to keep him around and they want to keep him in-house doing stuff. And I know sometimes you get auteur directors who are, that's a really good fit, like Sam Raimi, maybe directing Secret Wars, you know? Ooh, that's kind of cool. He's got his own vision. And then it could get into, oh, it's that Watts guy. He's doing Fantastic Four. No, thanks. I already saw his Spider-Man movies. I don't want any more of that. I'm, right. I'm fine. Or or whatever, however that system works. Which, so I, I'm I've, glad I've, that... I've, I think I've heard that he is being tapped to for Fantastic Four. So Or, or he was. I forget now. Yeah, if he, I, I, I don't, I don't know all of that. It, but yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's going to close out this segment of the podcast uh hopefully you enjoyed this look back into the past of spider-verse um the film franchise and are as eager to see the next installment as michael and i are um michael any any final thoughts about into the spider-verse across the spider-verse and anything that led up to it before we go oh no just more spider-man better two spider-man good for spider-man better um it's just 10 spider-man better 
Um, more Spider-Man, the more you get. The more, <laughs> the more there is to enjoy. Um, the I more hope of them that... pointing at each other for the meme. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I just yeah. I hope that the more they can, the more that they sh- that they show that you can adapt things and improve on them is good. I think the more that you can get creators who have a singularly unique vision that also understands the characters really well that isn't just a oh we need to make the next the next link in a story chain like you know say what you will about where mcu is presently i understand the criticism pretty well with some people being like yeah i don't know where we're going yet and until we get there i don't care about these later movies i think they're fine but that's just kind of what the mcu is for me so i think that it's good that they have another way of telling those stories that you don't need that tethered to and i think they should keep that i hope that it it does gangbusters and makes a lot of money and i hope my kids love it and i hear next year that a lot of my students are like mr hale did you see that thing right and i'll be like yes (laughs) i'm very excited let's talk about the thing like you know because those kids don't know anything about spider-man the comics like some do Mm -hmm. but most of them that's the only spider-man they know they know the movies and they love the movies and so i hope that the more stuff they give them the more they can enjoy so more spider-man good 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 all right so we're going to do one more segment. This is going to be a fairly short one, but uh, we're uh, I'm going to look into a spider mail. This is email um, of just chats from listeners and viewers. This also includes any uh, questions that you may have about Spider-Man, I'll do my best to answer them. But I I have one from Hail to the Geeks who asks, uh, do you know in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse how Aunt May has a super cool bat cave in the gardening <laughs> shed? Was that a was that a comic thing or something cool just for the movie? So um and and Michael uh, if if I if I put a foot out of line here and you know something that I don't feel free to correct me but as far as I know um Aunt May essentially being Lucius Fox um <laughs> is pretty much just something cool that they did for Into the Spider-Verse. I haven't really known her in any iteration of the comics um or even the video games at this point of uh, of her being like you know being able to maintain a spider cave or spider lair or whatever where you know it looks like he's got a collection of freaking spider-man iron man suits or something you know and 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 uh where she has like you know where she can whip up a pair of web shooters for someone so to my knowledge it's just something that was made specifically for into the spider-verse and frankly i mean i'm gonna just take the how plausible is that question i'm just gonna push it off to the side i don't care it was cool i liked it was cool and it was it was so much fun you know so uh i i think i think it really worked but but the basic answer is yeah if as far as i know it was just for the the into the spider-verse movie yep so, all right. So that's going to end this segment. If you would like to send an email or Spider-Man related question to the webline, please feel free to email me at spideylibrarian at gmail.com or pose your question in the Spidey Questions channel on my Discord server. I'll have an invite in the live stream description where and where um, 
uh, and where applicable in other show notes. And I believe that brings us to the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode of The Webline, please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on my YouTube channel, uh, simply named Spidey Librarian. I'll be working in the coming days to get the podcast audio onto the places where people listen to their podcasts. So when you see us on, you know, Spotify, Stitcher, or another such service, please leave a review and a rating. Uh, you can find me on my socials under the name Spidey Librarian on Twitter, Instagram, WordPress, and Twitch. And finally, if you'd like to shoot me an email, you can again contact me at spideylibrarian at gmail.com, where I'll be happy to hear your thoughts, rants, and ideas. Michael, where could anyone looking for more of your dulcet tones find you? <laughs> um, you could find stuff that Connor and I have made. If you just Google KMP, just KMP like a radio kind of thing, like KMP uh, podcast uh, and just SoundCloud. Most of our stuff is stored there. Uh, we've alternated between having a website and not having a website, but the eternal, the eternal archive is is our SoundCloud database. SoundCloud, uh, okay. <laughs> so we've got like our last episode was we talked about the anime uh, G giant robo, which is uh, incredible. We uh, talked about uh, we talked about a few anime movies at the time. One of them was Pat Labor two, which is mm -hmm. incredible. We're going to have a crossover episode with uh, uh, Japan on film with Perry Constantine. He invited Connor and I to talk about the movie Akira. That will probably go up uh, last we heard pretty soon so okay. um we we've tended to do a lot of crossover things with people of late um so it's just yeah no can be podcast uh okay connor is our my co-host who's one of the nicest human beings ever connor if you're listening you're such a wonderful human being um <laughs> but that's us all right and thank you very much uh, be sure to join us next Sunday on the webline where I'll be discussing and reviewing the newest Spidey film release, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And uh, thank you for listening. And until the next episode, I'll be wishing you a good day. Take care. Did you, did you just the whip? I did. I did. That's amazing. Okay. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> no, I, I, I thwip. All the time. I do them. I do them on my live streams. I start with a thwip. I literally do. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> All right. Anyways, thank you for listening and watching this live stream. And again, I will hopefully have this. Uh, we've got the arc. The live stream will be archived as a podcast episode on YouTube. And again, I will be taking the audio and pushing it out at some point in the near future. So until then, take care.